What's going on, my people? You're listening to The Score, an urban music education podcast hosted by Eric and Justin, where we discuss tips and strategies on how to become a more effective, compassionate, and culturally responsive music educator. What's going on, my people? This is Eric. And this is Justin. And we're your hosts for The The Score. Score. Welcome to episode 48. Let's go. Musicking in and out of school. Interview with Steve Giddings. What's going on, brother? How you doing, man? I'm pretty good. How you guys doing? Not bad, man. Not bad. (laughs) Obviously, Justin, uh, you gave me a, a... some support these past couple of weeks. I want to give you a shout out, man. Oh man, no problem, man. You know? No problem. Yeah, man. man. Together, brother. We man, together. As uh, those of you that are on our social media noticed that I I got I got COVID and and sort of got the Rona, y'all. He got the Rona. Got the Rona. So fortunately, was not down and out. Unfortunately, yeah. for a couple of weeks, but we're back. And I also want to shout out to Steve because he was actually lined up. Yeah, right before the top of the year. <laughs> right when I was supposed to, and I and I sent them a message, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm not feeling well, guys." <laughs> you, know? So, you know, there's something going around. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. so I just definitely want to give both y'all a shout out and some and some flexibility on my part to. Yeah, just to glad you're healthy, brother. Yeah, glad you're yeah. oh man, same here. Oh, all right. So I don't wish that on anybody. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you know, without further ado, let's let's bring you on, Steve. So tell us about yourself, brother. Where are you from? Give us a, some insight on your your hometown, your your educational background, and also where you what are you doing now within your music career? Uh, well, I'm in I'm up in Canada. I'm in uh, Prince Edward Island, which is the smallest province in Canada. There's 150,000 people in the entire province. And uh, I'm living, I live in Stratford, which is just outside of the capital city of Charlottetown. Um, I've lived here all my life. I uh, went to the University of Prince Edward Island for music education. Um, and I did a trombone uh, uh, performance degree there, a classical performance. Cool. And uh, yeah, and I'd always been playing in rock bands and stuff when I was growing up, like uh, in high school or whatever. And I was really into new metal in the nineties, of course, you know, a lot of us were. And, uh, you know, of course, <laughs> when I went into music, I was really into, you know, band and, and classical and, and, uh, getting into jazz a little bit as well. Cause I started playing drums in high school as well, but it was, it was mostly a jazz focus. I started taking lessons in jazz, but I did play in rock bands on the side too. So, uh, when I went into, you know, when I went into uh, university and started studying how to be a music teacher, I wanted to be a band teacher, mm. you know, and that was my, my career goal, you know, to be a band teacher in high school or whatever. And, uh, but then I, I also wanted to, I started to think about how you would be able to incorporate rock music in an authentic way, like have a rock ensemble along with your band and have uh, a jazz band and a choir or whatever, all like pretty much everything that you could possibly imagine in a, in a program. And so I did a special studies in my fourth year. It was a five-year program. So in my fourth year, I did a special studies on uh, popular music education and started really getting into what that could look like. Um, and, you know, in my practicum, I did band and both of my practicums were banned. So it was like, it was hard to kind of implement some of that stuff in there. So I was just, you know, trained to be banned and that was what I was going to do. And then uh, after I graduated, of course, you know, (laughs) that job doesn't exist, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because you're like, yeah, you're like, oh yeah, I have this job that I'm qualified for and it's the only job I want. So, of course, when jobs come up that you don't want, you don't apply for them for the first little while. And then you start realizing, wait a second, the only jobs that are available are the ones I don't want. So (laughs) I'm going to just apply to every music job. Yeah. And uh, the first job I got uh, teaching music was at a school in Fortune, which was in the eastern part of the island. And it was the last year it was ever open. There were 53 kids in that entire school Mm. and it was grade one to four. And uh, we sang, like we sang the national anthem, Oh Canada in the lobby. 
because there was there's everyone just coming to the lobby and we all sang together. It was a really beautiful thing. Um, but uh, what I could do with that those classes was be really creative and really, um, uh, you know, innovative because I had a grade four class of twelve kids, and so the project I did with them was we're going to form a rock band. Um, I mean, the school didn't have really anything, but like I had a drum set that I just brought in from home. Uh, you know, I had some couple old guitars that my, my dad would pick up instruments for me because he knew I was into music. So he'd pick up instruments at like yard sales or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I had, you know, some used electric guitars and, and a, a bass in there. And so I brought them to school and we had little mini auditions and I kind of, the kids tried them out and I wanted to see who was going to be good at this and who was going to be most comfortable, who wanted to play this. So by the end of it, we had a band of 12 kids. Um, and in our end of the year concert, we, we performed one song and it was, you really got me by the kinks. Nice. <laughs> Just such an easy riff, right? This yeah. Riff based tune. And, uh, like the parents just ate it up. They thought it was the best thing. And the kids were so excited about it. Like they learned how to play the, but really they could only do that one thing, but it was so impressive, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, but, um, and then after that, uh, I, my next gig was at, uh, Montague consolidated, which is where I am now. And they had a a rock band that they kind of got going their extracurricular for, for a couple of years before I got there. And then, I was like, okay, well, it's probably the only elementary school on the island that would that had it at that time. Um, and so I kind of brought it, to the, I brought it up and brought it to the next level. We did some auditions. We had, I had a band of probably 10, 12 kids that we auditioned in my first year there. By my third year, we had two rock bands um, and they were both auditioned. One was during school, like a pullout. And then the other was after school during the week and uh yeah like that's pretty much been my journey like that was kind of i wanted to integrate rock music and popular music in an authentic way uh so the kids could you know get a music education uh you know that wasn't just band or choir or or whatever it happens to be and i mean those things are valuable but that can't be the only thing that mm-hmm. you do because a lot of the time it follows the, you know, the, uh, the conservatory approach, which yeah. uh, a lot of the time uh, does not really breed uh, creativity or, you know, any other forms of music other than classical. So that's where I am right now. And we have, we were able to get one rock band going this year with all the restrictions we have. Um, so, I think we've had two rehearsals and then we were shut down again because we had some a little bit of community spread and then <laughs> so we had to get it back up again. So we're uh, we're going again next week to have another rehearsal with the band this week. But it's been 12 years at that school and I built it up pretty. And the kids expect it every year. They want the rock band. And, and uh, I incorporated into my classroom as well, my regular grade five, six class mm-hmm. and uh, to kind of get them all doing it. Yeah. And this year we had to do some rock stations. It was kind of something I did with a smaller group before, but we did rock stations this year because I had to be creative with my, uh, right. you know, my organizing this year. So Now, do you still have band or is it just strictly you're doing and building, taking well, that, see, that part of who you are and kind of inserting it into the, the rock band environment? Well, in where I am, we have a K-6 to program that's, mm-hmm pretty much general music and that's the way it is and it works really well and integrates very well into that program but then after that at this moment we only have really um you know band or nothing so the kids either they didn't if they didn't jump into that early it's pretty much a it's that's it and if they go and like they can choose to go in music and music after grade six is banned and then you know if they don't go in music it's if it if it's not banned, they have nothing else to really go mm. to at this point. Wow. So, and and my program is quite different from what they would be going into because obviously mm. they don't do a lot of rock band stuff, you know. Or if right. they do, it's like a, a 
a band arrangement of a rock tune, you know, so, right, 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 which really right. isn't the same thing. Uh, just putting that out there. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> so, man, you, you, uh, you dropped something this morning uh, on Twitter as you, you are very active <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, you know, it's funny, man, because you, you find, and we'll get to it, but you find the difference uh, of music education Facebook versus music education Twitter. Uh, and you dropped something today, man, that, that, that really resonated with me. And you said, music ed should reflect how it exists outside of school in, in its many forms, not just in terms of genre and style, but in ways of musicking too. And it, you added some hashtags, pop music ed, music ed chat, and elementary music ed. And so it, it resonated with me because Justin and I have talked about this. When I say my music, I can talk about my life soundtrack was yeah. never existing in my upbringing of this formal education of music that the things that I would play on the weekend or even that I would DJ at family parties, at events, at quinceaneras, at weddings, that was never present in my band hall. And if it was, it was remotely attached and close to the jazz band. I can remember, and it was, El Cumbanchero, which even then is Afro-Cuban and has these Caribbean ties and roots, which me being of Mexican descent, it, it that was the closest thing that I was like, oh, okay, I hear some sounds that I can yeah. I can relate to. And yeah. so when you dropped that today, man, it made so much sense. And so you doing so and not having to, uh, I guess, fit a standard and you got an opportunity with an organization, with a company, with a, with a school that didn't, you know, put these limits on you that says, Hey, I need you to go on stage. I need you to go compete. I need you to go do X, Y, and Z. And when you were given that flexibility, you're like, well, let me do something that I know will work. And when yeah. you brought up that story, I thought about my time at Davis high school here in Houston, that I brought all the fine arts together and it was a packed house for the Fiestas Patrias event uh, for to celebrate the kickoff of Hispanic Heritage Month. And we had a full house, but it's because we were highlighting our mariachi program and the combined orchestra with mariachi. So even the repertoire within that that was custom arranged by our mariachi orchestra director resonated with the audience. Now, if we had your typical kind of state contest preview concert, <laughs> some of the parents would have shown up. But right. they would have been like, well, I'm here because you told me to be here. I don't know yeah. what this music is. <laughs> uh, and so, like you said, there's some value to that. But why are we not connecting? That's that's uh, that's obviously a, a theme here on the podcast, that why are we not connecting their home music with their school music? What's our hesitance with that? So Yeah, yeah. And, and that's it. Like, it's it comes down to, like, we think in, in a traditional music education program to include popular music it means you have a an arrangement like i kind of mentioned earlier right you have a, a, a pop arrangement for band and it's like oh yeah tick tick the box right i'm done um and i see people argue for that some a lot on you know on twitter and i'm like uh, well it's not the same thing right um it's not learn the same way because the thing is a lot of these musics that are non-classical, non-jazz, they're learned outside of the institution. They're learned informally. They're learned by, you know, sitting down and saying, I like that song. Uh, I'm going to learn it. So how do yeah. I do that? I figure it out, you know, and I watch a YouTube video or I listen to it and learn it by ear. And those kinds of skills, like learning by ear, is, is still kind of blasphemous. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you don't learning yeah, don't by say, ears. Don't say that in those circles, man. That'll, that'll, right? get you, uh, that'll get you burned at the stake. Right. It's, you know, you don't learn something by ear because it's, it's considered a lesser way to learn. Mm. But then when I was in university, that would come up sometimes. Like we wouldn't say it's lesser, but you would kind of, it was implied that, yeah. you know, learning by ear was lesser. Yeah. But then my thought on it was, why can't we all do it then? Mm, you know, mm, we're mm. all highly trained, well, quote unquote, highly trained musicians. Right. So why can't we all just learn by ear? Right. You know, and, and that <laughs> we should be able to learn by ear. It should be, it's fundamental, really. Yeah, and I, I think ultimately a lot of the times, especially when me and Eric talk about it, it's like they are, we're moving the goalposts. Um, to kind of hide some of our deficiencies Ooh. and to say that this is not needed, right? And so mm -hmm. in the classroom where we are talking about learning by ear, um, you know, in our districts and where we teach is called differentiated learning, right? Where we are instruction, where 
something for this student may not click for student B or what, whatever I said to student C won't work for student D. And so when we start talking about learning by ear, that sparks a light bulb in a student that says, oh, that's how I learn. Well, if that's the bridge to get them to this other way of learning, then they add that tool to their bag. Mm -hmm. Then for me, and for me as an educator, it's just like, why are we even arguing over this? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because what we do is we say, we don't want to learn by ear, but then all of a sudden you want the ears to cut on when we sit in an ensemble rehearsal mm. and you want them to listen and to make musical choices based on where's the melody? How do we frame yeah. this chord? But they've you, you just literally told them that learning by ear is something wrong, right? And so I think for a lot of times in the classroom, uh, we are we're pigeonholing ourselves and we are, we're only working from this set of tools and we miss, I mean, we miss a whole boatload of kids because we're sure. trying to stay within this box um, that at the end of the day, somebody else created. And so mm. I think it's music is something that we can all add to. That's kind of my whole mantra. Like we can add to it and augment it and make it bigger and expand it so other people can be a part, you know? So, yeah. well, that's it. And, and, it's not even just about, you know, letting them learn by ear. It's, it's about framing it differently mm -hmm. at the same time. Cause it's like, as I mentioned, it's considered kind of blasphemous to even mention right. like, Oh, I let right. my kids learn by ear, you know? Right. Uh, but right. it's like, it is, I think about it as, as music as not like music is not a language per se, but it should be learned like a language as that. if it is a language. So it's like, uh, when you think about, when you learn a language, you should be able to hear it and repeat it back without mistakes if you understand that language. So when we are thinking about that in the context of music and if someone plays you a part on their trumpet, you should be able to play it right back to them. Right. If you understand and understand that language, you know, um, and it goes the same, same with like, when you're learning a language, you should be able to understand multiple versions of that language in written form or uh, in the way it's delivered, like the oral form as well. Mm -hmm. So it really just comes down to learning music as if it is a language and framing it in that way so that um, it's not just because you don't understand a language just by learning to read it. Mm, that's good. Yeah. No, See, because that's, that's, yeah. that's true. I mean, we yeah, we've all seen the memes, right? Music yeah. is the universal language, and, yeah. <laughs> and and the arguments are there as well. But I agree with you, Steve. It's the way we learn language that we mm -hmm. should allow those same things to replicate and give that space in music. That my my son right now, and I'm still I'm I'm in awe every day of the things he's doing, and and it's it's snowing here in good old Texas. Uh, and so, you know, and, and obviously- You haven't seen snow. Oh, I know, trust, trust. <laughs> trust. It, this is probably uh, just, you know, slightly formed uh, water, <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, but my son ran out and he said, you know, it's amazing. You know, it, it's a miracle. And I was like, wait, you've never, you've never said these words. You know what I mean? But- I know he's heard them, whether it be right. through Blippy or another show that's on YouTube, but he's heard them. And whenever I do get to the contextual of spelling that thing out, the theoretical, then we can connect that with, hey, you remember when you watched that, when you felt that, when you saw that, the same thing needs to happen in music. And exactly. we, we have these sounds. We mm -hmm. We are raised with these sounds you know and, the, and yeah like and the thing is that's exactly how music is learned outside of the academy yeah like if without a teacher you know yeah. they yeah. they listen and they they try it out and if it doesn't work it they just try it again exactly. until it's right like and it's like a kid if you're they're learning a word and they say this word you don't like say oh you didn't say that right like yeah, yeah. like you know they, you just let it happen yeah, right. <laughs> you know right or you and, subtly... we think it, and we think it's cute sometimes when they mispronounce yeah, things. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, but then you start talking like them after right. a while. Like, you know, it's like you say it the way they say it. So, you know, right. you, you baby but I think talk, you, you know. You tapped into something when you talked about your experience with music, you know, in high school and, and coming up before you went into, uh, you know, you went to your higher ed learning. And I think a lot of times we miss that. I know for me, I go back to who I was before college to kind of help me in the present right now as an educator. You know, I think about 
how did I learn music or how did I remember certain patterns and as a drummer or rudiments or, or chord changes? And I try to pull from those years to insert that because it worked for me at 14. It worked for me at 12. And if I be honest, it worked for me at 20 and, and you know, 19 when I was in college and working my way through my, you know, my degree. Um, but for you to go back to those days of you having your own, you know, rock band and, and building an ensemble and sitting, you know, those rehearsals as intense as they might have been with you and your friends. Hey, man, you're not playing that chord, right? Mm -hmm. We're we going here on this part. You went to the, this refrain. We're actually going here. You're pulling from that because that stuff is still important and still pertinent to where we are right now. And I think sometimes I know for me, you can get to a place where. Um, especially being and trying to kind of impress people and trying to uh, give a show that you know all of these things, you miss out on really those knowledge, those moments of like um, inspiration that can help you in moments of desperation in the classroom, like in present day. Like you're trying to figure out how to get this group to learn. You know, I, I'm sure you've been there, y'all, working on this piece, working on this song, and it's like, okay, we still don't have this section right. What did I do then that can help now? Because if we be honest, the stuff we read about in books, the stuff we sat with our professors with, some of that stuff was very important and knowledgeable and it helped us. But then some of that stuff just has no gains with what we're doing right now, in, <laughs> you know, yeah. in, in our classrooms. You know, if we just if we just be honest. And I think sometimes yeah, and it's the experiential you know. learning that you're talking about, basically. Yeah, so sure. like, and like my my first rock band experience was when I was 12, you know, wow. just I had I had like a. Or, 13 the first set of drums and had some friends over that kind of know how to play instruments mm -hmm. and we were like okay let's just jam and let's just play right. and see what happens and if it sounds good we'll keep it and if it sounds terrible we just won't do that again and, and that's literally and that was, how people make music yeah and that's how people <laughs> make music outside of school but when you get to school they're like you got to do it this way there's a certain way you got to do it and you got yeah. to have like a, a neapolitan six mm -hmm. something something yep. and like no uh parallel fifths it's like well why why all rock music has parallel fifths like why can't <laughs> you know right right yeah <laughs> and i mean that's a different uh style for sure but it's just you're it was kind of you had there were you they told you in university that you had to uh i mean not explicitly but they oh, yeah. they made you believe that you had to learn all of the theory before you could actually make your own music. But I was mm -hmm. making music's my own music from from twelve years Same. old all the way up until Same. then. But then it was trained yeah. out of me. It's like that's not that's not good enough. You know, that's not what we do here. How did you deal with that? How how did how did you uh, I guess uh, given that it most likely happened in college. Um, how did you work yourself out of that that self deficit of of sometimes when we because it got given we we revere our professors we hold them in high regard uh, and so we sometimes take their words golden and uh, for truth and we have a hard time being critical of what we're taught on that especially at that age especially and so, if you're young exactly yeah so yeah. How, how how have you worked to kind of work out of that and, and give yourself some self worth with with what you already knew what to do well. It was kind of weird because I was living in two polar opposite places at once because I would play drums in a band completely by ear. And I like I re still rarely use sheet music, if at all, on, on drums because it's just not it's not needed. Yeah, you're going to listen to the group and just memorize what they're doing. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, I'm not saying that too, anyway, too loud. But uh, And then on trombone, I was I couldn't do anything without the sheet music. I was completely silenced. Like I didn't have my own voice on that instrument. But on the drums, I have had my own voice all the way through. And That's heavy. It was, it was strange because I was, I was living in these two polar opposites at the same time. But then I was also in university focusing on the other one you know trombone stuff so i got really into doing trombone at that time and and i kind of left the drums to the side a little bit but i still would play occasionally in groups with drums and you know that was just something we did outside of school and that was just the way it was and at, there was a time where i was actually kind of on the indoctrinated side like i you know you, you get so into it right and and you start to uh you know just become yep, that exactly person what you, you know what i mean wanna, yeah yeah you become the person you didn't want to be but i never really thought about it a lot because i was so immersed in that culture at the time um and it wasn't really until 
and I mean, in my fourth and fifth year, I started writing about it. And my first article was published in 2008 on popular music education, which would have been my final year of my, my degree program. And then it was after that, that I really started to kind of realize that, you know, this mindset that I'm in isn't healthy and it's not what I, I want to be because, you know, focusing too much on one thing is a bad thing no matter what it is mm. mm -hmm. and we need to really learn from both sides and i think bring it to the middle because you know western music education has gone so far to one side that you really aren't a musician anymore in the same sense as you know someone studying the same music would have been in say the 1700s mm. because they would have had all that stuff right? Yeah. They would have been able to improvise and compose on the spot and jam with each other. Like that's what figured bass was for. Right. It was for jamming, you know, but now figured bass is for analyzing old music. <laughs> but when you say that, and it's funny because I, once again, we moved to goalposts. Like I remember learning about figure bass and I remember learning that when I was in undergrad and I was like, wait a minute, this is, this is just the number system. This is when it's, I'm sitting at a church. It's Nashville and, numbers. <laughs> and the it's bass Nashville player's numbers. like, I'm six, five, four, two, yeah. flat five, sharp yeah. six. That's like, all it oh. is. And if somebody would have said that to me, I would have connected those dots way earlier. But because that part of my learning and that part of my musicianship um, was kind of looked down, on, mm -hmm. looked down upon, you know, saying that you are a – you know, a church musician in today's context is totally different than what it was in the 1600s or the 1700s when being a musician meant that you were looking to find the most optimal position at a church to program your music in a, you know, liturgical service, this, that, and the third. We fast forward all these many years and I'm sitting in class. I'm like, figure bass. I, I get it, but I was trying to make it concrete. No, and I then, never, ever made the connection for a long, <laughs> long, long time. It took man, way I too just, long. Man, I was sitting yeah. there and I was like, Oh, okay. All right. I got it. You know, and yeah. so it's it's so true that those things that we have put in a box so that we said, Hey, um that's cool that you do that, but that's that's something you do. That's amateur. You know, you do that when you're trying to have fun. If you're trying to be serious and do music, then this is the way you need to think about it. Mm -hmm. And I think once people start putting those worlds together, I think we'll see a stronger uh, you know, music programs, I think we're going to see more diverse and more kids going into these programs because they feel as though not that they're going to be accepted, but that what they've been doing for the last eight to nine years of their, you know, younger life is profitable for them in this new environment. And that it may be new because we are playing from these books and we're playing a lot of dead composers, but I, I can use all of this stuff that can help me gain appreciation and bring it back into whatever my main line of, of, of focus is. Yeah. The concept of the uh, other 80% that we're not yeah. engaging in music. Right. Because, um, you know, there's, I just think about in a regular junior high or high school in my province, like I said, there's, it's band or nothing. But right. a school of, say, a thousand kids. Mm-hmm. And you think you have a big band program if 300 of them are in it, mm. you know, um, which really, sure, that's, that's, that's a lot of kids, mm. but there's still 70% of those kids in the that school that, yeah. that will never, not going to be in it. But I'd say a good chunk of those kids likely are playing instruments outside of school, whether it be with lessons or they're learning it informally. Mm -hmm. Um, and they don't have a place in the school for that. Um, and like you said, it would bring in those kids, like including that kind of music and including their music yeah. will bring in those kids into music and maybe be able to, you know, make them a better musician or, or uh, broaden their horizons a little bit within that genre or outside of it, whatever. I mean, that doesn't necessarily need, need to be the goal either to broaden their horizons. It could be just giving them the opportunity to learn the way they want to learn as well, or like to learn or know how to learn. Because I alluded to earlier, like rock music and popular music is all learned completely differently than, uh, than music yeah. is in school. Yeah. So 
it's almost like, uh, you know, so, uh, like think about rock music, for example, it's like its own cultural, um, you know, it has its own cultural essence to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it has to be to do it authentically. It'd be like doing a, uh, an indigenous piece just by notation and telling someone to, you know, do it a certain way instead of just bringing in a culture bearer and, you know, just doing it. Um, It's so rock music has its own kind of cultural heritage to it as well. So you need to do it justice by learning it the way it's been learned Mm. uh, Mm -hmm. for, for generations, you know, or at least decades (laughs) because it's only been around for, you know, so long, so long, but you know, and uh, at the same time, I think about jazz music uh, and how it was an oral tradition for such a long time. And notation, you know, was kind of in and out, um, Western notation specifically. And I know there's like a complex shared history there um, with jazz and classical music and band or whatever. But at this, when you think of it in that way, it kind of went into the academy and now jazz is considered up here for the elite and it's separate, completely separated itself from its, its history of, well, not completely because a lot of improvisatory and, and, you know, uh, compositional focuses, but there's a lot of notation and there's a lot of copying the greats um, that you don't typically get in, in other styles of popular music. As we take a break from our discussion, we're jumping into the segment called In Rotation. During this time, each of us will get an opportunity to share what we're currently listening to. Favorite artists, genre, album, playlists. If you have any recommendations, drop us a line on our social media platforms at podthescore or send us an email, podthescore at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. In Rotation. All right, so... Over the break, I picked up a little seasonal gig uh, to help pay for the remodeling of the crib of the new house out here. Okay. And uh, so I had a lot of time to listen to music. Uh, <laughs> and and I am, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm just, I'm not the biggest Daddy Yankee fan. I'm not, you know. Oh, uh, you come know on, what I mean? man. Come I mean, on. I know everybody loves Gasolina. <laughs> I know that. You know what I mean? But I have to shout out this tune. It's called De Vuelta Pa De Vuelta. Uh, and it's by Daddy Yankee and Mark Anthony. Uh, it's a phenomenal salsa. And uh, and what I love about it, it starts off with this very melodic piano. Then it goes into this kind of, uh, of reggaeton beat. And then it goes into hardcore salsa. But if you hear the up pattern in the middle of the song, check it out. I absolutely loved it. It was one of those tunes that I could hear and still hear over and over. So that's De Vuelta, Pa De Vuelta from Daddy Yankee and Mark Anthony. Justin, what you got? So I, too, have been listening to a lot of music. And between my time of listening to Bubble Guppies and Bluey and <laughs> all of the other random shows that have memorizing music, um, I've had I, one of my guilty pleasures, I guess, is listening to battle rap. I'm a big fan of just watching classic rappers kind of paint pictures and war with each other with words. Well, over the last few years, there's been this group of uh, Christian rappers that have got into the battle rap world called the Four Horsemen. And so they, you know, they don't use a lot of, you know, curse words, but some of the imagery and things of that nature, they take from their uh, uh, people that they're going up against and they flip it. And and it's just really cool how they're able to be very uh, still menacing, still very like, you know, winning most of their battles, but not going that route. Right. And not using so much, you know, dark language and stuff like that. But there's this guy named the saga. And so he's been I mean, he's killing a lot of folk, you know. And but the misconception about battle rappers is that they aren't good songwriters. They don't know how to go in a, in a studio and create an actual rap record. And so what I like about him is that he can he can kind of live in both worlds. He is a great battle rapper. If you want to look him up on YouTube, it's the saga URL. Um, and then you can go to, um, you know, Apple Music, any, any Spotify and all that and check out the saga, S-A-G-A. And uh, he's got he's he's really dope. So that's kind of what I've been on for the last few weeks. Going nice. To- nice. Steve, what you got for us? Well, last few years, I haven't been able to just sit and listen to music very often because I have two kids very under four. So it's busy. Uh so, but this group that I, I found on Twitter called Brass Against, uh, 
I uh, was really into Rage Against the Machine when I was a kid, <laughs> and uh, I just loved their music. And I was uh, sad when they broke up, but then I just got into Audio Slave. But um, anyway, Brass Against does brass covers of Rage Against the Machine songs, but also a whole bunch of other protest music on top of that. Uh, but they do it with electric guitars, harsh vocals, and some brass. Mm. <laughs> you know, well, that's and it cool. just kind of it changes the feel completely, but it's still the same tune, right? Yeah. Um, and the, the arrangements are good, and they sometimes have a sousaphone, which is kind of cool. Uh, and they're they usually a YouTube channel, and I uh, anytime they put out a new video, I I I typically watch it. So that's what I've been kind of following here and there once when I see what they have around. All right, we're back. So, hey, man, I, I'm, I want you to plug yourself in, man. I see you have two books. You got The Rock Coach and Creative Musicking. Tell us about them, man. Um, well, Rock Coach uh, was kind of one of those things where I had all this stuff in my head, and people were asking me, like, how do you do this rock band thing, and how do you do that rock band thing? And I said, I'm just going to write a book about it. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, it was poor timing because I had a my first kid on the way, but, you know, it's <laughs> no <laughs> better time than the present but uh so i it was basically my journey with learning how to overcome my my uh like not unlearn but relearn my training as a a musician and being able to uh incorporate rock essential like uh, authentic rock music into the classroom and being able to uh do that with kids in a school um and you know, connect with the kids and the parents. And so what this book is, uh, it starts off with my journey, but then goes into how you can do it in your classroom and gives a list of songs you could use to start. Um, it gives, it talks about sound. So how to set up your first sound system uh, with diagrams and pictures, and then all the way up to the first concert. So it's from day one, how do you audition? Mm. What do you do in between? Here's a song you could do, and here's how you would teach it and approach it. And then what do you do in the final concert? That's nice. So the movie is literally your life. Is basically Yeah. yeah. Wow. School of Rock is my That's life. That's cool. That is <laughs> yeah. No, that's 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 dope because I think what happens is we see and we hear about people like you, Steve, and you're a one-off, and people that are in similar situations in other parts of the world feel like, well, there's no way that I could do that, you know. And I think because you're not at the university, you're not in the school of music, we, you know, people go through years of suffering and frustration until they you know, randomly fall upon you and your book provides the very thing that a lot of these educators are dealing with in their second to last year or their last year. They've just done their recital and they're like, I really don't even want to do this. I actually want to teach kids this. But because there is nobody there saying, hey, you can do this. They're like, well, I guess I'm gonna just go out here and do the same thing I've been doing and kind of be an echo chamber. And so I think it's I, I think it's great that you went out and wrote a book and took the, you know, kind of took that bold stand and say, hey, this book is just as important as the pedagogy book, as the foundations book, as your, you know, Arben's book. And this may probably lean more to helping the very kids that, you know, these teachers and these educators are going to teach in their context. Exactly. Yeah. That's and what it's, helps it's, out the most. Yeah. And it's, it comes from a research based approach too, because I, I did a lot of studying in my master's degree on the informal learning approach uh, mm. by Lucy Green, about to, who kind of popularized that. So in the, the book, music there's pedagogue. If you haven't learned of Lucy Green, check her out because she yeah. is the, the commanding voice on informal music learning. So exactly. Definitely. And uh, so I, I have a chapter on informal learning and the Lucy Green kind of mon- mantra and uh keeping it authentic all the way through the book to and it's basically catered to that person that uh that you said justin yeah. uh you know that wants to do this but just doesn't know how because they were never taught it or they never experienced it or they never right. you know so you know it's it's for that person yeah 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 and then my second book creative music in there's a, there's a lot of overlap because mm. the informal learning approach kind of breeds creativity mm. yeah um, and kind of gives voice to 
to those kids who don't normally have a voice in the music room. Uh, So there's a bit of overlap there, but it's talking about the Christopher Small's term of musicking, Mm -hmm. but focusing on the creative musicking acts like composing, rapping, uh, you know, um, improvising all those action words where we're actually creating music and not just recreating Mm. the same music over and over again. That's good. Yeah, and it gives like a philosophical kind of standpoint at the beginning and then a whole bunch of really practical ways to introduce it into your classroom. So Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm just on a wavelength that says like um we're we're entering a place where there are more kids that are going to come up that that are all three of us on this in this podcast right now meaning that they have fell in love with the art form of music and 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 garnered this closeness to it. Um through a means that may not be accepted and they're going to be more apt to say, I don't know if I really want to do marching band, but can you show me how to like, you know, make my beats fall in time on my, uh, on my programming. Yeah. I don't really want to be in a jazz band, but can, can I borrow, can I record y'all and then load it into my laptop and and then, you know, add some drums and, and, and there's so many things that I think we're shutting ourselves off from these students and, and i think it's important to know that kids are willing to give if we're willing to give right so that kid that may not be so gung-ho about marching band won't mind showing up if he knows or she knows that oh not only do i get this but they're also open for me and answering my questions in this format as well you know and i think yeah. when we sell kids this whole like you know my way or the highway then we we miss a i mean a boatload of kids and they're not many kids like you like me you and eric that'll be like all right i'll deal but this is what i'm really gonna do you know what i'm saying like some kids are just like oh i can't play guitar all right i'm out (laughs) and so they go they go home and they continue doing it and then 15 years later we hear this story about how this guy they're amazing artists but yeah i wouldn't be here if it wouldn't have been for that director who didn't talk about it talk about it bro over the holiday break i'm on instagram i'm scrolling and i see my boy kermit is live uh, shout yeah. out to Kermit Gray. He was on episode 29. So if you haven't checked out, it's called Stay in the Course. But, you know, and, and he talked a lot about his his producing on the side. Yeah. And I've never, and I've seen him talk about it, never actually been to a, like a beat battle. Um, and he's talked to us about them and, and how they have listening rooms and they have events. That That's a big thing. Do, you know what I mean? And so I've always been curious, like, what does that look like? What does the event look like? Bro, they had a beat battle on Instagram hosted by another person. <sighs> And these were some of the top two producers out of Dallas, Texas. And it was mind blowing. Like the the artistry that was being displayed by both of those producers is exactly to what you're talking about. And I'm almost and you can hear now. Here's the cool part. You could hear the formal music influence into into Kermit's beats and which honestly separated him from the other individual. So when we when we say that, it's like he, he and he's opened up to us. But you're right. I experienced that through my phone. An mm. Instagram live beat battle, which was outstanding that I hit him up and I was like, bro, that was so dope. You know, which beat was X, Y, and Z. So by providing these these tools, Steve, that you've been giving teachers now that in the back of their mind, they're saying, you know, these kids don't really like this song or this tune or this genre or this right. way of doing it. But I do know that I hear them down the hall singing this TikTok song. I hear them singing this, you know, this tune that's on the radio that I heard the other day. Why can't I bring that into the classroom and or yeah. how? And and that's it. And I hear a lot about, you know, like, let's hook them with this and then do right. like a bait and switch thing. <laughs> right. the bait and it's switch. like, oh, this is their hook. I'll get them into my music with this hook. But that's not what it's about. Because then you, you come off fake and then it, yeah. it, it never Ooh. becomes off you know, as authentic as you would think. And I can remember years prior, man, I remember I had some kids, my class at uh, Hamilton Middle School with me and Eric talk, and I would bring my production equipment in there, I would bring my keyboard, and I would just play music for them. And I would be like, who do y'all think that was? And they were like, oh man, that sounded cool, that probably sounded, I was like, that's me, I made that. You made that? What? How did you do that? And so it just opens up this conversation and I'm able to let them see all of who I am hasn't been replaced by classical music. I've literally just taken classical music, manipulated. I've taken gospel music and R&B and jazz and 
all of the things I love. And when I'm sitting behind my keyboard playing through changes and coming up with music and writing songs, all of these these uh, ingredients are playing in this pot. And I think it, you said this early in the episode. It's like we get to school and we hear, oh, you can't you, you shouldn't put this flat five here. It's actually going to cause some dissonance. And it's always <laughs> this and this that, and the third. And I found myself sitting in college in my dorm room or in the practice room after I finished practicing, just kind of, you know, having some ideas. But then I was thinking about my theory class I just had or my analysis class. And I'm like, oh, I can't. It's hard. Like, yeah, and I was like, and in my mind, I'm like, I don't ever remember it being this hard when I was in eighth grade and I was in my I know. room. And I was and just that's like, the thing. It's kind of trained stuff. out of you. Man, yeah. True. Like when I started really getting yeah. into songwriting and doing a little bit of that, it oh, was man. so hard to like just write, you know, yeah. just, just play. Because you're thinking in the back of your mind, yeah. Dr. Such and Such said I need to make <laughs> But no I parallel fifths. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't. I can't. Uh, yeah. oh, there's a. Oh. I just, I had to let it go. I had to <laughs> oh, let it go. Oh, man. You know? And that's, that's what creative music is about. My second book, it's about just letting go yeah. and just being the musician you want to be and letting your learners be right. the musicians they want to be. And to that point, I uh, rarely kind of let my kids do my music you know <laughs> i i i want them to bring in their music i ask them all the time like what yeah. what song do you want to do or i'll pick a, like three or four that are school appropriate quote unquote and you know that is in a bunch of different styles and i'll say which one do you want to start with or which one do you want to do like we're going to do all these but which one do you want to start with or you know something like that or i get them to write their own and I do that pretty often. Um, it's very rare that I actually do a pre-composed piece. I actually get them to do all of the writing themselves. And in that process, they learn all those concepts, all the rhythms, all the, uh, like what harmony is, what a melody is, how to, you know, how to make something work, you know, what pentatonic is. Cause we start with pentatonic in grade three specifically. Nice. And we compose a lot with pentatonic, but then, in the, at the end of the day, uh, it, if it sounds good to that person who wrote it, it's probably good. Yeah. And it's probably okay. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. But right. if it sounds bad, just don't do it again or don't yeah. use it. Don't put it on or the rearrange paper. it. Change rearrange it. it. Maybe, change maybe something. Needs to go in another place. Yeah. There yeah. it is. And I think we also we tend to like over uh, overcomplicate composition and improvisation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because I think jazz kind of did that to us. Oh, in yeah. A way. You have, oh, it's got to be super like, like crazy. And yeah. Like, and it's like I remember the first time with a jazz chart in front of me on trombone. And it's like, what do you do? Like, I, what's it? What's a C minor seven at 11 sharp 15? Who knows? Like, I don't like like I have to get out my calculator and figure that one out, you know, but, you know, really. In an chord like that, there's there's seven notes anyway. So right. there's seven notes in a scale. So right. you know, right. just play right. something and it's gonna be fine. And I, I found out in jazz that if you most of the stuff, if when you get a solo, it's A B A form for the most part, like A A B A. So if you play something in key for the first little while and just kind of like do some cool stuff. And then in the B section, just get weird and go with the flow and then go back to the A section and back in key. It seems to work really well. And that's something that kind of when I realized that mm -hmm. it's not as complicated as we've made it sound, mm -hmm. then it was really freeing for me. You know, and, and that's what creative music is about. It's about freeing yourself of the uh, the the theory and freeing your th yourself of, you know, Oh, sometimes oh. these self-imposed limits that we put exactly on yeah. the self-imposed yeah. limits and and the the false uh, what is it like we we always think we have to be perfect right we can't there make a mistake because we're classically trained musicians mm -hmm. and it has to be perfect and it's this kind of false assumption that you have to be perfect all the time so mm. improvising is messy mm. composing yeah. is messy yeah so it's that we come by it honestly but it's about shifting the mindset from you pick one note and you play it and you've improvised. Mm -hmm. mm. All right. Yeah. So if you've never heard of Steve's name before, 
If, if, <laughs> if, if before this, you might have come across some gems, or we can use the term bombs. We think them gems, but yeah, I'm we sure think a lot of folks like, here he goes. You know, but yeah, uh, here he goes you, again. If you are in some of these uh, infamous uh, music teacher groups on Facebook, uh, which I uh, choose to not uh, participate in. I'm a member of, of probably <laughs> all of them, uh, but I, uh, I I tend to uh, try to uh, preserve my energy <laughs> by not going back and forth. But I got to give him a shout out. There there have been several uh, of Steve's posts from his website, uh, Steve's Music Room, uh, that have caused quite a stir and a reaction from our colleagues. <laughs> so, Steve, man, what if you think of two, what two come to mind that probably got a lot of uh, DMs, emails, reactions? What, what comes to mind? <laughs> well, the one that... Uh like most recent was one that I posted about 13 things you were taught in your uh, music program that are not true. <laughs> See, that, that, that title alone has people already like, I, I, I want to know what he, I want to know. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> like, they were all good things, but I had it with like a really intentionally sarcastic tone. Um, to kind of be funny and but it was it got like such a negative reaction like it was really a lot of people were really like oh that's awesome yeah i agree and like but then like once it turns it turns oh yeah you know and you it just was, need one you just need one to be like <laughs> yeah i don't agree with this but i'm not gonna be the first one to write it you know i mean there was a comment that was deleted almost instantly by one of the admins it was just like what like why why would you say that <laughs> I can't even repeat it. <laughs> but it was uh it, it was shocking how how it just turned but I kind of expected it from that group at the same time which is kind of terrible. <laughs> you know, and then one of the others that was a while ago now but I didn't expect it to be as controversial as it was. Right. It was uh the flute is not a woodwind instrument. <laughs> Do tell, do tell. Holy moly. Some people thought I was like like a, a attacking their entire being. Yeah. Exactly. When they when their identity is attached to that instrument. Like, yeah, and you know, it was it was basically coming from a research kind of perspective of the uh like a quote unquote world music approach to labeling instruments. And it's not even that big of a of a yeah. deal but we right. we have this eurocentric kind of um uh, way of of classifying instruments it just doesn't work for for every instrument that exists i mean we have you know woodwinds brass uh what are they i don't even know them now woodwinds brass percussion and uh strings right strings yeah that's the one yeah it's strings so I was kind of uh, talking about the, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but I think it's the Hornibachel socks method of classifying instruments, which is a really well-known um, ethnomusicology uh, uh, classification system for instruments. And I was mixing it with, uh, you know, the, the, the Eurocentric version that we know to kind of simplify it a little bit so that it wasn't, because it has all these, uh, you know, subcategories and sub-subcategories of instruments. So I was trying to simplify it, but also make it more inclusive because it could be something as simple as, well, I'm from a non-Western culture and I don't see my cultural music and my instrument you know classified here i don't see it included in my music program and it's something as simple as reclassifying the instruments that can have a huge impact on maybe even just one kid that you know doesn't see themselves within that context so it was coming from that kind of a perspective but it caused way more controversy than i ever expected <laughs> But we need people oh. like you, man. Uh, and that's why you're on the podcast because the we we need people that. And I was just thinking about this today, but before we recorded, 
with what Justin and I chose to do with this podcast, with with your website, with your uh, your activity, even on just on Twitter and putting your thoughts out there that people follow you, that I absorb as well, that I was thinking about it. Okay, you and I were part of the system that did not allow or give us the space to be who we wanted to be through yeah. music. Yeah. And, we, and we became the person we thought others told us to be. And, and you know, I, I responded to somebody today and I said, I played the game. I, I, I was a band director. Yeah. I figured out the system. And I said, let's go win it because I had a chip on my shoulder too because people said that I wouldn't be a good one. And so now my cousin today just even shared my podcast and said, you know, if you're an educator, you not just music, you know, check it out. And then she re- responded with my daughter who's made region uh, on, on bass two years in a row. Your podcast has made me question what else is she missing? What mm. is she not mm. receiving? And, I, and, it, and it floored me because... It's so if we're not going to make, you know, if it's somebody's going to reach a point and be in a position of power that is able to say, hey, let's include that. Yeah, let's let's add that course. Let's add this degree plan. A principal might hear it and say, you know what? I'm going to hire another teacher that won't be the band director, that won't be the choir director, that won't be the orchestra director. That's going to be just the music teacher and is able to teach relevant music to our kids. That's. That's actually pretty good and very amazing that you said that because I was just thinking about what does high school look like for kids that walk the halls that were in band in middle school, but just it just wasn't their thing. Mm. And then they get to high school and they're forced to take art or theater or just to get know, a fine choir arts or band, yep. just to get a fine arts credit. But what if we had a music ed teacher there that wasn't? He maybe they double as a private lesson teacher for the band program or whatever, but they're there to teach popular music. They're there to teach songwriting. They're mm. there to teach kids. Hey, this is how you monetize your music. You can use YouTube. You can figure out a way to, uh, you know, start, you know, sell to Universal Masters, so you don't have to be down through a label. I mean, it's just so much information that kids are figuring out on their own mm. on the internet. Where if they were coming to school, maybe that behavior child or behavior problem that they're giving the rest of the school is is kind of quenched in that class because now what I don't really get in algebra is making sense because now you're making the dollars make sense. What I don't really care about in my history and social studies class now makes sense because you're getting, you're giving me the layout of hip hop and, and how songs came to be. You know what I'm saying? I don't really want to read, you know, uh, you know, the great Gatsby and do a whole write up on that and, a, a, you know, exegetical thing on that. But if you tell me how to really make similes and metaphors and alliteration really paint, songs and lyrics that changes the environment for that student it changes the environment for that school and i just think it it really creates an avenue for kids to really be holistically taught what music really is because i think for most kids that look like us they come into an environment and music looks like this that's accepted but then they go home and the people they look look up to they listen to and that they're trying to emulate don't look like that they never went to a music school they didn't get a degree they created music in the essence of their own homes. So, now, if, yeah, if you're listening to this and you're shaking your head, Steve already brought it up. If you're yeah. thinking, oh, they're going to take kids away from my program. No, they're not. No. 70%, the kids ain't there nowhere. Exactly. 70% is still in the school, not getting serviced. <laughs> right. So it's going to attract those kids. And now, right. honestly, yes, some of your traditional music students might want to add that yeah. to their course listing. And there's yes. nothing wrong with that. But yes. It's not about taking away. It's about exactly. adding to. Exactly. Yeah, right. exactly. And uh, to your point, Justin, too, I was thinking it's less about teaching them these things, but more about facilitating it. And that's something that's in both of my books. I talk about shifting the mindset from the teacher to the facilitator. And Mm. the kids are not students, they're learners. So I facilitate their learning. that's hard because most people people don't want to give. They just want to... They want to dictate and they lord don't know over. how to let go. And they in most know. situations, when I've talked to kids it's about hard. you know yeah. what I do outside of music, I'm like, hey man, they like let me hear your music, and they come in automatically like, well, what do you think? Is mm-hmm. was that okay? I'm like, hey man, I'm just listening to you. This is your music. I'm listening to it now. If you want to hear my opinion from what I like to hear and what what kind of pushes me musically, I'll give you that. But it shouldn't dethrone or take away or taint what you just showed me. What you showed me was your honest 
work, creativity, what thrives in your head, what tickled your ears when you were sitting there at your keyboard, at your computer, at your drum machine, whatever. So, I mean, and most directors are not going to do that. Most directors mm-hmm. are dictators. They are not people that are willing to sit and be, Talk you know, uh, you know, hey, I really like I have that. this uh, continuum of teaching in Rock Coach where one side, I've altered it recently, but one side is director and the other yeah. side is facilitator. And somewhere there's teacher, and then there's at one point there's coach as you get closer to uh, facilitator, hence the title of the book, Rock Coach, uh, Mm because you want to be on that side. You want to be a facilitator coach and less of a dictator teacher, right? So, yeah, exactly to your point. Um, Yeah. Man, this has been phenomenal. Justin, bro, some takeaways, man. What you got? Man, well, first off, I don't know if y'all noticed, but this is, uh, you know, we in what we would consider season two. This is our first international uh, podcast. Talk episode, about it. Okay. Now, I just there want y'all to know we out here doing it. You know, Steve <laughs> came on the show. We out here, you know, Drake is not the only big thing smoking <laughs> out in Canada. Okay. Big shout out to Steve Giddings. That's, what I, that's my takeaway for the day. No, man, I really enjoyed uh, uh, this podcast because I think it speaks, Steve speaks to, Everything inside of me that as much as I love the, you know, formal being a band director, being a percussion director, there's so much of me that wishes there was a part of my day where I had another class where I could just teach music production, songwriting, recording, um, you know, all of that. How to build songs, how to create content, how to build a, an album or, or a mixtape or whatever the case may be. Um, so it lets me know that this stuff is not only here, but I, I mean, sad it's not sad to say for us before a lot of people who are like staunch this should never change this is the future man it's a it's a adding on to what we already do and i think people should buy these books i think if you're in an environment where um you're you are encountering a lot of these kids the good thing about steve's book is that it gives you the tools and it's not a just do rock music it it's giving you the format and the main ideas to do whatever works in your context. So, man, I'm I'm good, man. Likewise, man, Steve, I'm I'm so appreciative. I'm obviously grateful for sure. uh, for, for your patience for us to get you finally on, man. This has been great. Uh, I I cannot stress enough and ditto to everything that Justin said because I'm I am I'm, I'm even in a space that's that's allowing myself to uh, include uh, music making that I have denied and deprived. Uh, and, and so I'm already piloting something pretty soon that I'm going to announce uh, by including a community of musicians that has been marginalized, that has not been given much attention to. And, and I've realized that I'm able to to bring what I do well and is, and is bring people together. And so hearing your story has given me even more inspiration to pursue that that initiative. Uh, and so I can't thank you enough, brother. This is what and I'm, ho- I'm, I'm hoping like if you're listening and you've been questioning, like, well, how do I include pop music? How do I include a rock right, band? You know, right. and, and and I would ask you to do it as authentic as yeah. possible. Like, don't stop being cheesy with it. Let's just be real. Don't 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 do that. Don't yeah, just add do it. Don't just add a Latin percussion. Don't add congas to oh, a tune man. and call it a Latin piece. Don't rock. add a drum set and say it's a rock piece like they're just. Do it for real and allow allow this this to happen. So, man, I'm I'm so grateful for you and I'm, I'm glad you're on to help us kick off 2021. Uh, so, any last words and how can people get in touch with you? Well, could I give my three golden rules of like uh, facilitating popular music and Please creativity? Do. Please do. Okay, I have three golden rules. The first one is the kids know more than you think they do. Mm. Let them do it. Let them lead. Let them take over because they know more than you think. Um, Think of yourself as a facilitator because that kind of takes the pressure off you, but at the same time frees you and your learners to do what they they need and not what you want (laughs) because it it makes it more of a, a democracy in a way. They get more, um, uh, they feel they're liberated. They feel like they can do more, uh, that they don't have to do it the way that you told them to do it because their way might be better. Mm. Right? Yeah. Uh, The third is don't be afraid to learn with them. It's uh, about letting go of control and just getting in there with them and getting messy, getting your hands dirty and, and just... Don't be scared to say, I don't know that. Yeah. You know, and can you show me that? Can you teach me that? That's and good. just let them 
let them guide you through it because I come across stuff a lot where I don't know the, the song and I say, okay, well show it to me and I can help you with it. Or, you know, uh, maybe a genre I'm not used to. So they'll say, they'll show it to me for the first time. I'm like, well, tell me about it. You know, it could be something as simple as that, or you're learning an instrument with them. It's an instrument you're not familiar with. Learn it with them. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. So how can people get in touch with you? Um, well, as you guys mentioned, I'm on Twitter a lot. It seems to be my my jam. <laughs> uh, so st- at Steve's Music Room is my handle on Twitter. And I have these hot take hot take Tuesdays. Uh, okay. First Tuesday of the month. Uh, it was at a week for a while, once a week, but it was just exhausting. So, but he I was probably these, making a lot of people mad. So let's just. I was, I was I making a lot of people here, mad. Steve. <laughs> so I do once a month now for a while, and we'll see how that goes. And then, uh, so there's that. You can, my website is stevesmusicroom.com. You can email me, Steve at stevesmusicroom.com. Um, I'm on Facebook as well. Um, I have, my Facebook page is Steve's Music Room, so you can tag me there. Um, yeah, and I'm on Pinterest at some point. I don't do a whole lot of posting on Pinterest, but I'm there if you want to connect that way as well. And yeah, feel free to contact me if you have any questions of anything that we talked about. I'm I'm happy to help anybody. Awesome, awesome. Man, good. This, is, this has been absolutely amazing to help us kick off 2021. Uh, Justin and I are excited to continue to serve our music education profession and bring in voices just like Steve to help yep. expand the way we teach music in our schools. All right, y'all. So if you, I hope y'all have a great week. Let's push forward with 2021 and just be on the lookout for more episodes, more guests, more phenomenal people just like Steve. All right, y'all. This has been another production of The Score. Connect with us on social media at PodTheScore. Send us an email, PodTheScore at gmail.com, or visit our website, RevivalMusicProject.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, do us a huge favor. Rate and review us. This will help us reach even more listeners. Intro music by Justin McLean. The rotation and outro music by Ben Borges. And as always, let's continue to impact these lives through the vehicle of music. Music.